The information contained in this podcast is provided for your general information only. It does not give medical advice or engage in the practice of medicine. This massage podcast under no circumstances recommends particular treatment for specific individuals and in all cases recommends that you consult your physician or local treatment center before pursuing any course of treatment. Good afternoon and welcome to the Massage Podcast. My name is Elaine Calenda. I'm here with Jorge Cisneros, our producer, and Don is away for the week. Uh, she's having a little time off. So just welcome this afternoon. We have a special guest joining us in just a moment. Let me tell you who we are. We are massagepodcast.com. And you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text message at 303-656-9860. You can send us an email via www.massagepodcast.com that just got jump onto our contact page and then come chat with us live during our live recordings every Thursday, every other Thursday. So we meet every two weeks at this uh, time. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter, catch up with uh, the episodes that we've done so far. Today is episode 31. It is November 17th. And we're uh, coming to you from Boulder, Colorado. Uh, like I said, um, today we have a special guest. Uh, her name is Lauren Muser Katz, and she's coming to us via Washington, D.C. Uh, she's a massage therapist and educator. And I had her come on the show today because uh, she's going to be teaching a class at the Boulder College of Massage Therapy and on December 4th, 5th, and 6th. And as some of you may remember, we had um, Tracy Walton come out several years back. And I know that a lot of you have been asking for this oncology massage training. And so um, uh, Tracy, not being available too, too much these days, uh, has sent her, has sent us, who she calls them uh, your protege, her protege. Uh, you know, if, I, if she said I was her protege, I'd be thrilled. Lauren is here today to speak with us. Are you in uh, Washington, D.C. now? Uh, yeah, I actually technically live in Arlington, Virginia, but uh, I can see D.C. from my living room. Oh, okay. Arlington, very nice area. I've been there. I had the pleasure uh, several times to visit that area. And uh, Lauren is a graduate of the, now I never say this right, I think, Potomac yep. M- Massage Therapy Institute and the Meta Institute's End of Life Care Practitioner Program. She's also currently serving as the president of the Society for Oncology Massage. Um, she's a co-founder of Heal Well, which is a not nonprofit organization whose mission it is to improve the quality of life for people with the, living with acute, chronic, and terminal illness through hands-on integrative therapies, education, and research. Well, that's... Um, that sounds wonderful, and we're going to tell you more about these organizations. And, of course, as always, you can, uh, get when you get onto our website, we have all of our episodes and all the information on there. So if you want to find out more about Lauren and uh, the good works that she's doing and her organizations, uh, just log on to our website after the show. Okay, Lauren, good afternoon. Well, it's, it's afternoon here. It's a couple hours later there, so it's 10 after 1 here. How are things going over in your neck of the woods? They're going fantastically well. Thanks for having me on today. 
Oh, sure. Well, you know, your class is loading up. And I did want to. Yeah, it's signing up pretty well, but there's still room in there. And I wanted to get on today to talk with, I know several of my graduates from our school who have been asking, uh, you know, for more oncology training. So I hope they're listening today or pick this up via Twitter or um, get an email from us and, you know, really decide to come and study with you because you come with the highest recommendations. So tell us a little bit, uh, Lauren, about your background and how you got into this work specifically. Well, it's, it's kind of a mystery, really. Um, I mean, uh, you hear people say this kind of thing. I think about massage and, and these sorts of careers all the time, but it, it kind of got into me. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure how I wound up doing massage. I, um, I have a degree in English literature, and I had been doing some public relations work, and through various twists of fate, actually wound up uh, sort of between careers, and I was bartending. And um, somehow I, I found myself at a massage therapy school orientation and when I got there, I thought, wow, you know, I'd never had a massage, actually, in my life. Um, mm. I played soccer, you know, in college, and, of course, when you injure yourself, you get a certain kind of massage, but I had never gone voluntarily to just get a massage, and I was at this orientation, and it just really seemed like something that, that fit for me, and, you know, the first day of class at massage school, I knew that that was exactly where I was supposed to be, and from there, I just sort of happened upon oncology massage. Um, my grandfather was dying, and I went to visit him. Uh, it was about halfway through my massage therapy training. And I was just massaging him there in his hospital bed, and um, he actually died uh, right while I was there with him. And, and my partner and my grandma and my great-aunt were there in the room with him. And, um, you know, it just seemed like the most natural place for me to be. And uh, there's no reason that I would have expected that to be the case. Um, so from there, I just really felt like, you know, this is where I want to take my massage, and I really want to focus with people who are um, dealing with serious illness and, and what can I do around that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I started to investigate options, and I happened upon Gail McDonald and, and her book, um, which is really still the, the primary oncology massage textbook, Medicine Hands. And I studied with her, and um, actually, by another twist of fate, I was signed up to take Tracy Walton's class, and uh, her three-day class. And Tracy got really, really sick the weekend she was supposed to teach, and she called Gail at the last minute and said, you know, can you come and teach this class? And hmm. so I wound up getting my very first oncology training with Gail McDonald, who Gail. was kind of one of the founders yes, of oncology she's massage. Yes, wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just really appreciated the way that she taught and the information and, and started doing the work right away. And from there, I just took every possible <laughs> class I could. I studied with Tracy and Cheryl Chapman and mm-hmm. um, Charlotte Versace. And, you know, there are a variety of people out there teaching oncology massage from different perspectives. Right. And I just kind of soaked up everything I could get my hands on. And um, from there, it just really kind of snowballed. Um, I found myself working with an organization called the Teal Center here in Arlington. And they had just been asked to set up a second location within a local hospital here in Arlington at the time that I was hired. And they weren't sure how to do that, and I wasn't sure how to do that, but I knew that I wanted to be in the hospital setting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was lucky enough to have Brenda Teal, the founder of the Teal Center, really just kind of trust me and, and work with me and over the next handful of years, she and I worked together to create a hospital-based oncology support massage therapy program at that hospital. That's fantastic. From there, my teaching sort of unfolded, and, and the nonprofit Heal Well, and mm-hmm. um, all the while I had been working with the Society for Oncology Massage. So things just 
kind of stacked on top of each other and, and everything seemed to make sense and, and each piece fed each other piece and and all of a sudden there I was sort of right in the middle of oncology massage. It was meant to be. And, uh, you know, just a lot of uh, what happens to us, you know, it's just being in the right place at the right time. I really do think that um, it's not by accident that any of these things happen the way they do. Uh, it's just... Um, uh, tell tell us a little bit more about the Society for Oncology Massage, if you would, please. Certainly. Uh, we uh, we were founded in 2007. Uh, we had our uh, sort of first ever uh, Oncology Massage Healing Summit, is what we called it. And uh, it was just an opportunity for people who were out there doing this work to get together. There was no formal organization at that point. And one of the things that happened at that at that conference was an opportunity for us to um, the attendees, uh, who I think were numbered a little less than 200 people, uh, had an opportunity on the last day of the summit to choose a subject area within oncology massage that they wanted to discuss. And one of the tables that that was a, a subject area was the formation of an official organization around mm-hmm. oncology massage. And I, I found myself sitting at that table. And out of that conversation, um, there was actually a gentleman named Bruce Hopkins who had been sort of dreaming about the Society for Oncology Massage for a few years, even leading up to the summit. And so he came with kind of a a, a toothpick structure of what he thought an organization like that might look like. And he had been talking with Gail McDonald and Tracy Walton kind of behind the scenes. And, you know, do you think this is a good idea? And Mm -hmm. the people who showed up at the table, very much like you were saying, it sort of things happened in the right place at the right time each brought a different skill and a different passion and a different perspective on oncology massage. And, and we sort of wound up as the founding board members of the organization. <laughs> and uh, it became clear that there was a real need in our community for some sort of organized place for us to strengthen that community and to um, set standards for education and figure out, you know, what is this relatively new specialty within massage? What does it look like? And, and how do we best harness the energy and the passion of the people doing it? And since uh, we were founded in 2007, uh, we're up to uh, just about, uh, just shy of 300 members. And, you know, so far we really have just been getting our feet under us. So moving ahead, uh, I became the president this last March, and moving ahead, we're really in a place now where we're going to be doing some more active outreach and connecting with, you know, members of the healthcare community and, you know, dialoguing with physicians and nurses and Mm. involving the patient community and, you know, trying to tap into what our members are already doing. There's a lot of really great community service work that's already happening right. in the communities where our members are living and working. Right. And we're now starting to get the manpower in the organization to be able to really connect with these people and figure out how to make these things work together right. so that we can just educate the public and we can educate massage schools and just therapists in general that oncology massage is really a kind of training that belongs in your bag right next to pregnancy massage. And mm-hmm. You know, these other things that we sort of, they're not part of the main part of training at this point, but you never know when someone with cancer or a cancer history is going to show up in your office or on your table. That's right. If you don't have at least the basic facts, the basic information, you can actually do some real harm. And and more importantly, I think when you have the appropriate training, you can do some real good. Mm -hmm. And that oncology massage, we really come from this perspective of it's not about what you can't do but about what you can do differently and mm-hmm. how you can truly be of service and support to people going through cancer at, at any stage. Right. That's what I learned from Tracy and Gail McDonald, you know, and you know, some of those first almost scary classes. We had a convention. It was almost like underground 
um, to even broach some of these issues. So it's great that, you know, just like the American Massage Therapy Association started, what, almost 70 years ago with 29 students in a, in a Swedish class in Chicago, you know, as to, to where it is today, as people getting together to form uh, a unified base so that all things oncology could come into that place and we can get organized as well as uh, when you have this kind of um, organization and people get together, that's where, you know, you say people, where should I send this? Who should I tell this to? And you, and you have a place to send them to, you know, to collect exactly. research and for people to tell their stories and what works and what doesn't work and, and what we're not sure about yet. And I mean, these are how these things get started. So it was really uh, it's kind of kismet that you should be there on that spot. I've had those kinds of uh, um, those kinds of sensations in my body too at different conventions and meetings and working with different organizations. Like, wow, we are at the very uh, pinnacle of something big that's going to happen from this. So that's Definitely. fantastic. I want to go back just a minute, um, Lauren, and ask you about. How long had you been a massage therapist before you had that wonderful encounter with your grandfather in, at the end of his life there in the hospital? Well, it's really interesting. I mean, I've actually only been a massage therapist. I'm coming up on my uh, eighth year anniversary, um, and I, I had that experience with my grandfather about halfway through my 18 months of training. So right. I had maybe only... So you were still a student. You were still a student. That's how early on you got the the message or the yeah that's yeah, definitely and I really I got it loud and clear I mean I, I feel like all I've done for the last eight years is just follow mm-hmm. and you know what what comes in front of me I, I sort of check it out and say does that make sense and, and if it does I go where it goes and so far that's really um, treated me well that's great so you're just following where you're led night you know to a certain extent that's um, that's just uh, really amazing your story is amazing and just for having been around eight years. Well, I st- still think in that area of specialization, that's still a, a, quite a chunk of time. And in the, and these last eight years, particularly when the doors, uh, some of the big heavy doors that were shut to us, you know, so solidly 20 years ago, forget it, you know. So it's a great time to have come into uh, massage therapy because you're coming in at a time where the hospitals really started to open their doors to this kind of body work. So good yeah, times, absolutely. good times it's, ahead, it's an too. exciting time. And what we really need out there are those practitioners who can also teach because you can be a great practitioner, but getting the getting the information across to um, a wide variety of students, you know, good teachers are hard to find. That's all I can say about it. And particularly letting students uh, or graduates, people who have been around for a while, know um, what you were trying to explain a moment ago. It's not what we basically can't do. It's what we can do better. And um, so could you start telling us a little bit about some of the some of the people that you've encountered in this work and some of those stories from the hospital that um, just really speak to uh, the ability to be uh, good at this type of work? Do you know what I mean by good? Uh, <laughs> I think so. I'll give it a shot. Okay. Um, just tell us yeah, some of the really, stories. We like to hear the stories. Okay. <laughs> well, it really is so interesting because, um, you know, like you say, the hospitals um, in some cases are, are just starting to sort of open their doors. And the relationship that we have um, at, at what I consider my home hospital, which is um, Virginia Hospital Center, um, formerly Arlington Hospital, has been an interesting one because they um, they have sort of, you know, the way I describe it is they sort of opened the doors 
and then kind of scattered. So they've sort of been like, come on in, we trust you, and you can figure it out. Yeah. And so, um, and in a way, as I talk to, you know, practitioners and people who have tried to start hospital programs around the country, um, it's really a blessing that it's worked out that way because we've been able to come in as um, competent, well-trained practitioners and sort of set a standard that um, I think tends to surprise them across the board. You know, we're regularly getting feedbacks from feedback from physicians and nurses saying, you know, wow, I, I didn't know, like, you know, for instance, um, we'll go in and we'll look at the chart of a patient um, who has been, you know, we've either gotten a call from the patient or from uh, someone else on their team that, that they... Uh, would like to get a massage. We do a lot of work with the palliative care team, so we get a lot of referrals that way. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, I there was a, a patient who was um, pretty seriously compromised and um, at risk for a number of things that as oncology practitioners and hospital practitioners, we sort of, as our list of things that we need to consider, this person had probably four of the five things on that list. And so I asked the, the primary doctor who was uh, caring for that patient, you know, so I, I got an order from from the nurse that this patient is appropriate for massage, and I'd like to go in and see them. And I asked the physician, and, and he said, oh, yeah, no problem. And I said, well, I was actually concerned about um, their risk for blood clots, and um, I see this person is um, suffering from congestive heart failure, and I kind of listed the things mm. that, that I was concerned about as a massage practitioner. And you could see the wheels turning in this doctor's head like, oh, oh, I see, like, you're actually part of this healthcare team and you understand a little bit about what's physiologically happening with this patient. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that what you're about to do can actually affect this person in ways other than just making them feel good. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think, one of the most exciting parts of integrating this work into more clinical settings is, is helping other healthcare professionals start to understand that properly trained massage practitioners actually know quite a bit about how the body works and, and, you know, physicians are experts on the part that they do and nurses are experts on the part that they do and massage therapists are experts and I actually kind of resist the term expert, but we know a lot about what we do and mm -hmm. if we aren't communicating clearly together, patients aren't getting the best care. Right. Um, and, you know, when I work with folks who are trying to set up hospital programs and they say, well, you know, the hospital won't let us see the patient chart, I just think, wow, you know, from a hospital perspective, that's almost negligent. Right, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. Touching your patients and they are they don't have complete access to this person's medical history. Yeah. So there's a lot of education happening um, in both directions. Yeah. That that's really great because they do they don't they don't know what we are. We could be candy stripers as far as they're concerned, you know. Yeah, yeah, it really it really is. And you know, across the country, whenever I'm traveling teaching, there's always a massage therapist in a class who says, Well, you know, I got a doctor's note, so what I did was was okay and and helping therapists understand that a doctor's note, there's nothing wrong with a doctor's note, but a doctor's note doesn't is not a green light for you to forget everything you know. Right. <laughs> and that, you know, a doctor's note may set the patient's mind or the client's mind at ease, but you still know all kinds of things about how your work might affect that person that the doctor is likely not thinking about because massage is not their area of expertise. Right. And this is a thing that's a pretty new message out there to the massage community. And students yeah. are asking me all the time, do I need to get a doctor's note to start working on so-and-so and so? And technically, in most states, no. But yeah. hopefully you should be able to speak to the physician or at least the nurse in charge and know that they know that you're working with this patient of theirs, you know. But they're, but they the doctors for many years now have come at us sort of like, well, I guess it can't do any harm. 
And what we're waiting for is the validation of, well, here's how I think it can do some good. And, you know, if we start teaching them that, what are they going to come back with? Probably more information that would make the whole relationship and certainly the patient care would increase um, exponentially, you know, one would imagine if we actually spoke to each other. So that's exactly that's really I, I, we we're talking about this all the time and trying to convey this message to all who are listening. If you've been in the massage therapy profession for a long time, you you and, and not taken any of these types of classes, you may not know this information. And many practitioners out there are still afraid because and we can't blame them. I mean, I taught this, too. I was like when I was teaching in the 80s, I was saying don't work with people with cancer because you can spread the cancer. I mean, I want to smack myself on the mouth every time I hear myself say it. You know, <laughs> right. it's like wrong, 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 wrong. But, you know, this well, is why... So now, here's the, the sticky thing that's happening, Elaine, is that mm-hmm. now I think the message is sort of trickling in completely through the massage therapy community, and people are hearing that it's safe, but what they're not hearing is that it's safe with appropriate training. And okay. so we have, you know, various cancer support organizations going to the AMPA website and just cold-calling therapists and saying, you know, will you come and massage people at this seated event? Or, you know, will you come and work with people in our support group? And you have therapists who don't know about some real serious risks that exist within the oncology community, and they're just coming in thinking that they're just doing a good thing. I mean, they're coming from certainly a place of service and kindness, and they just want to help. But there's some real basic things that they need to know before they can just start massaging people, with even with a cancer history. And that's one of the sort of All right, problematic nuggets mm, of oncology uh, massage and getting the message out completely is that it's not just a concern for people in active treatment. Conventional cancer treatment sometimes has some effects that can be lifelong, that as a therapist, someone may forget to tell you as they're getting on your table that they had some sort of cancer treatment 20 or some years ago that may be affecting their bone health or their skin integrity or certainly their nerve compromise. Yeah. yeah. That they can't feel their left foot or leg. Yeah. And uh, and you get in there and you don't know about it. And even things like, and that's a very good point because people think, well, you know, I'm I'm cancer free now. I'm in remission five years. And they think, okay, big green light. But that's also, you know, the effects of chemotherapy and radiation, other types of treatment can really put a long lasting effect on things like uh, peripheral neuropathy for one thing. That way they can't tell you how deep you're going and uh, really have, you know, lost touch, especially if, the, if you're at an event, you know, your boss thinks it's a great idea, we'll have this event, we'll invite all these people, especially if they've never had a massage before. They don't even know what yeah. to ask for, or what to what to warn you about. Even things like, uh, you know, chair massage, um, and those practitioners too may be doing an internship from a school, may not even be finished with their education, so may yeah. not have really had much of this information at all. Not even know how to ask questions of people with cancer, especially active cancer. How's your blood count? How's your, um, you know, when was your last chemo infusion? When was your, you know, uh, just those basic questions that will help you to determine your plan of care. Exactly. And therapists are, I, I hear therapists say all the time, well, I just work lightly. Mm-hmm. Well, A, 
working lightly is just not enough. And, and the main issue with working, quote, lightly is that if I'm generally a rolfer or a deep tissue sports massage therapist, light for me looks a lot <laughs> different than light from somebody who's normally doing craniosacral. Right, right. Uncle! So. Uncle, I give up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. then it might be too late. You know, they've ripped your port out by then. Right. You know, right. oh, sorry. What is this thing on your chest? I mean, right. all those little <laughs> right. things that, yeah. you know, it's too late now. You've already bumped over. It'll be bruised for a week. And who knows if it'll work next time they want to use it. I know. Um, the other thing you just mentioned, another important point. Light is not necessarily what's. And a lot of people will go light on your muscles and then tear the heck out of your tendons. I mean, yes, this is, exactly. oh my goodness, this is such an uncomfortable massage to receive. Please, massage teachers out there everywhere, would you teach right. them how to work on the muscle belly and leave the tendons alone for Pete's sake? <laughs> I keep right. getting these um, massages, and I'm not going to mention names or places, but boy, I had the, one of the worst massages the other day. And that's what it was. It was like no attention to the to the belly of the muscle or, you know, the little bit of attention. And then, oh, I feel this feels kind of tight. I think I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, those kind of oh, teasy right. things. Yeah. Well, you know, massage. Well, that's one of the things that we struggle against, I think, as massage therapists across the country is that there's such a lack of standardization of training that you have therapists Thank out you. there who are calling themselves massage therapists and practicing who don't have the basics of anatomy and physiology. Oh, my God. They should be taken out and shot. Yeah, and that's you know. going to continue to to be a thorn in our side as we try to get into places like hospitals and and clinical settings where they just can't speak the language. Right, and this is a, this can be a problem for us when the doors are open and people are saying, "Oh, you're a massage therapist, carte blanche, sure, come in, we'll hire you." And they don't. They don't know the terminology. Their education was very minimal. They just barely pass the exam and, you know, and even if their heart's in the right place, they still need, to, you know, more knowledge to walk into a hospital setting for a number of reasons, not just to work with patients, but a lot of them don't even really know what universal precautions are. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. We just, one of, that's one of actually our flagship program for HealWell, the, the nonprofit that I, um, I actually co-founded with Brenda Teal, who I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, our flagship program is a nine-day hospital-based training program. And the first three days of that program, you don't touch a soul. It's all about standard precautions. And what does it mean to be a massage therapist in the hospital setting? And, and I mean, not to be funny, but it's everything from, like, you can't wear Birkenstocks in here mm-hmm. to you have to understand when to gown and glove and what order to put things on. And then, yes, you do have to wash your hands four times with every single patient contact and mm-hmm. things that just aren't generally top of mind for massage therapists who are used to working in private practice or in, you know, spa settings or even just a, a non-clinical team setting. Yeah, there are many schools that do not really cover the yeah. these standard <laughs> protocols very much at all, especially if they're not teaching medical terminology very much at all. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing. You've got to then overcome this language barrier, this hurdle of, um, yeah, you can look at the chart, but you might not be able to understand one damn word. First of all, the the writing, you know, it's <laughs> exactly. not like medical doctors are now starting to write things. But there are things that they're using computers more so that we there's hope uh, yes, that yes. Uh, we might be able to read what's on the chart. But exactly. um, but then to understand the terminology and then understand how you fit in with that. Like yeah. if, if it does say this and this, then 
should I go to a nurse first or just go in the, the room with the patient? I'm scared right. and I don't know what to do. Well, you know, I, I think for the most part, massage therapists don't hurt a lot of people. So that's not what we're right. trying to say here. Please don't give me any bad phone exactly. calls about right, right. we don't cause any harm because it's not true. And I'm the expert right. witness eight times in court cases to say otherwise. You know, I've seen some harm done, but it has been always by practitioners that were very underskilled and really yeah. had no business being in the profession, period. Yeah. So well, I think we need to be particularly diligent because, you know, it was really interesting to see the conversion over nine days. We had a couple of people in our last hospital class and we take 10 people per cohort. And we had a couple of people who really you could see the first probably four or five days of the course were just like they just couldn't understand why we were quote bothering to cover all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to see them understand that it's. Even some of the things that we try to make sure they understand as part of the course, it's not that it's even necessarily directly applicable to our work, but where it is applicable is that a doctor says, what are you doing with this patient? And you can say back to the doctor what the patient's prognosis and treatment protocol, that you are a part of the team and they understand that you get the big picture. And that, you know, any misstep is just a confirmation of the assumptions that people already have about massage therapists. Mm -hmm. So we have to be better than the best. Right. We have to be careful. Let me just take a moment to to let folks know who we are, what we're doing. Uh, This is the Massage Podcast. Uh, You could find us on the www.massagepodcast.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or send us a text at 303-656-9860. Or come chat with us live during our recordings. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And we are speaking today with Lauren Muser. Is it Muser? Muser Cates. Yep. Muser Cates. I'm going to say it right this time. Lauren Muser Cates. I've just recently been introduced to you through our good friend, mutual friend, Tracy Walton, who specializes in oncology massage. And we are speaking today with Lauren about uh, any number of issues concerning um, this New and exciting, yet a little bit scary at times, um, population that, uh, you know, uh, can uh, lead you down the wrong path if you don't know what you're doing when you step into this setting. Uh, Lauren, could you give us, please, some more uh, examples of how massage therapists should show up when uh, faced with different conditions that you run across in the hospital? Uh, Can you say again, faced with decisions? faced with um, some of the decisions you have to make based on some of the patients, uh, oncology or otherwise, that you run up against in hospitals? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because patients, of course, um, and clients, depending on what setting you're working in and, and how you refer to them, um, you know, they, they, there's sort of two things happening. One is that they don't think you need to know a lot of things. And so, you know, when we ask this general question, you know, do you have any medical conditions I should know about? Nine times out of ten, they say no because they don't actually think that we need to know that they, for instance, have lupus or that they're taking high blood pressure medicine or, mm-hmm. you know, any number of things that people think massage is about comfort and happiness and that, you know, their body's going to be fine no matter what. And, um, you know, they don't mention to us that they have osteoporosis or things that really could result in some harm if we're working deeply and, and that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, we... 
we go through our intake and we ask all these questions and we think, oh, well, you know, I've done my due diligence, but so much of, of what I do in, in my courses is helping therapists understand how to ask questions and that there's a way in which you can ask questions that will elicit much more useful information so that at the end of your five or ten minutes or however long it is that you, you do your intake, you have the information that you actually need and you can make a, a clear roadmap. I was just actually this last uh, week, I was up on the northern east coast working with a, a large facility that has a, a team of 45 massage therapists working in their programs and they're about to um, unveil sort of a, a cancer support program. And they wanted me to come up and kind of give them the basics of what they need to know. And, and I think this is really a, a common situation. One of the roadblocks we continually were running into as we were talking about how to deal with this population is that they have 55 minutes to provide a session and conduct intake. And, you know, in my private practice and even in the hospital, mm. you know, we pay our therapists by the hour. And however much of that time is needed for intake, I would rather you work 30 minutes Right. with informed intent, then make sure that person gets 50 minutes of massage with a shoddy intake. Mm. And you really have to make the best use possible of that intake process. And, um, you know, like, for instance, I was working with a woman one time, and I'm massaging away, and I had asked her what I thought I needed to know. And sure enough, I come over this thing, and, and she had a medical appliance attached to her body mm. that she forgot to mention. Yeah, yep. it's so, so used I'm to it. And so I'm massaging along her back, and I'm like, huh. What is this? And sure enough, I pull the, the sheet back, and she has a colostomy bag. Okay. Um, and, you know, right. it just would have been really helpful for me to know, A, that she's having some kind of gastrointestinal compromise, mm -hmm. um, and that may have changed some of the work that I was doing. And just, I could have known that was there and avoided that area rather than bringing more attention to it. Right. Right, but right. I didn't think I needed to know that. So. Right. And or people just get so used to it. You know, yeah, that exactly. they, it just doesn't dawn on them, especially once they start to relax. They, they're lucky if they can still talk at all. Absolutely. Um, yeah. This is a very <laughs> good, totally right. very good point. And then that's the kinds of things that um, when we say we can cause harm, what kinds of harm? I mean, there's some things that are obvious with some cancer patients sense of bruise easily and things like that. You might even sure. make them more nervous or more anxious, especially if they don't know what's coming this is their first massage so but with this in this area of blood clotting too i would like a realistic explanation of this because it used to be as as frenetic as you know don't touch anyone with cancer right. at the minute you did touch them you'd release blood clots and they'd die drop dead right there so we i want to uh, give people some useful information that's not you know too extreme sure um well yeah and, and i think it's important to like you said Massage therapists are not, there are not thousands of massage therapists across the country currently causing harm. Um, and that for the most part, I think people do tend to err on the side of caution. Uh, but some of the key concerns that we have, um, one of which is DVT, of course, um, deep vein thrombosis. People going through active cancer treatment are, um, it's estimated, seven times more likely to develop a blood clot. And when we have someone come in who may or may not have a blood clot, most massage therapists, as part of their regular training, don't realize what the signs are of a blood clot. So a, a client or a patient says, you know, I'm, I've been having this deep ache in my, in my leg for the last couple of days, and the therapist pulls the blanket back, and, and maybe there's some 
slight swelling that makes the leg that where the ache is a little bit bigger looking than the other one. But if they don't know what they're looking for, they're thinking, oh, there's a deep ache in this muscle. I'm going to really get in there and, and, they and rip into release it. whatever's causing that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I first came out of massage school, what I did learn about, about blood clots was that you never touch, you know, don't ever touch. And I think I've done in my eight years what I can do to sort of figure out the details about these sort of blanket contraindications. And so um, I was not bashful about badgering the surgeons and physicians at, at my local hospital and kind of saying, so here's what they tell us in massage school about blood clots. And oh, good. what do you think? And, and without exception, the physicians and surgeons were saying, you know, it's called deep vein because it's deep. So I would demonstrate to them, well, this is what I would teach my students to do on a limb, um, where we know that a blood clot is being treated, that it's been addressed, confirmed as a blood clot, and something is being done. And it was a very light pressure where we were barely moving the superficial tissues. And they said, you know, I really don't see any concern about that. I mean, um, no... And then, of course... Yeah. Go ahead. Well, no more than some exercise, yoga, or tight pants. Exactly. At that yeah, point. because they're not telling these people to go home and lie down. And it's right. the same thing, you know, that we talk about the main concern in the old days, why we shouldn't massage people with cancer, is because the idea was that we would spread it right. by rubbing. And I always thought, you even know, though as I taught it, I always thought, what if we could spread it? Shouldn't we just push it all to the big toe and lop off the toe? Right. Cure <laughs> for no. cancer. Where were you then? Massage therapy cures cancer. <laughs> Plum. Oh, that would have been our ticket in. You know, but then, you know, a lot of people then suffered head trauma from tripping all over town, but they didn't have any cancer. Okay, great That's news. Right. Okay, so I, I like your explanation here about this, especially deep vein thrombosis. Please continue. So, yeah, so I just said, you know, like, I, I think there's something we can do here. And, and certainly when there's simply a suspicion of a blood clot, we don't touch it. I mean, I think until we really know something, and uh, Tracy Walton, actually, the lovely and fantastic Tracy Walton, just published a book recently. I love her new book. book the, the first, like, 35 pages of that book, I just every massage therapist should just have it. Um, Absolutely. Because it's just so brilliant, and one of the things that I think is so great about it is these principles that she has in the beginning, and, and one of them is this shadow of doubt principle. And it's basically that, you know, when in doubt, don't. If there are questions that need to be answered before you know that what you're about to do is 100% safe, do not do it. And there are certainly interventions for blood clots. And if a patient or a client has seen their physician and confirmed that they have a blood clot and they're either on anticoagulants or they've had a screen installed or there's been some other intervention and it's actively being treated, we can apply a light pressure. Now, when we talk about light pressure, what I use in my courses, and I think what's starting to spread um, in the oncology massage world, is this scale that um, Tracy Walton and Gail McDonald uh, developed that uses specific terms to describe, okay, it's a one to five scale, and the level one is strictly hand strength. It's not, you're not using your body at all, you're moving only the superficial tissues, and each level describes what, how much of your body are you using? How many of the tissues are you displacing and how greatly are you displacing them? Are the adjacent joints moving? All these things where we as therapists can speak really directly and clearly to each other. I know that I was using a level two because these were the visible things and the tangible, palpable things that I was sensing and using and involving when I was doing this pressure. And if we can get that kind of language together, then we can talk about working lightly because lightly means something. I used a one. I used a two. Fantastic. Um, Healwell is currently doing, uh, we're participating in a pediatric oncology massage study. 
And one of the things that we're doing with that in our charting and in our documenting for the data collection portion of the study is using that scale and, and saying that, you know, therapists are only to stay within this particular range. And then when we're crunching the data, we can actually say what kind of massage was applied so that that research can be replicated. Thank you. Thank you. Because, you know, a lot of spas, too, you go to a spa and they say, what kind of massage you want, Swedish or deep tissue? Again, you know, I just want to reach over the counter and say, never mind what I want to do. But it frustrates me. (laughs) It frustrates me because I think somebody's giving a very a good therapeutic massage. We'll just take all the other words away from it. Then they should be able to work with each client and understand what kind of level of work they would be good for that person and be able to change on a dime without then being told, oh, I'm having, you know, I have uh, can't we were just you were just talking about one specific thing, the deep vein thrombosis. And like it makes people uh, sometimes massage therapists will just totally back off. You know, that person might have a headache that you can just work on like every other headache. You know, exactly. And uh, but this is the thing. This is why knowledge is power in our profession, in any profession, healthcare. Um, you can't know too many things. You know, I'm still studying all the time. Though the uh, one thing I want to mention too that Gail McDonald, brilliant woman. The first time I met her was at a convention. I can't remember which one, but she and Tracy were teaching a class. And they both came into this hall with a couple of hundred people anxiously waiting. And the first thing Gail says was, "You can work on anybody." So long as they're not still radioactive. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If they're glowing, yeah. you might want to wait a little. Yeah. But right away, it just put everyone at ease. And at the same time, for the next however many, four hours that went by, like four minutes, we, you know, they just, they just, they just confirmed and uh, validated the whole practice of oncology massage thing and I just went home so elated so anxious to share this information with my students and to know now that I mean Tracy's new book we were talking about uh, we're actually going to be changing the way we do student clinic based on some of the things in 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 her decision tree you see the decision tree style of that book is just brilliant. Well, just like it's just like she put her brain down on a page. Yes, exactly. I know. It's just such a thing could happen. Her brilliant brain on paper. All right. Well, we've got uh, a few few more minutes here, and I wanted to ask about a couple other things. This um, the benefits of massage for people with oncology specifically, but also with people with whose health is very frail, as you mentioned. You know, multiple problems besides um, cancers. Like at that age, that many people get. Most people, I would think, get diagnosed. Um, they may also have heart disease. They may also be battling with, as you said, um, what as what good are we see. doing? We've talked about what harm we could possibly do. Tell us about, you know, the changes that you see and the benefits that you see in the individuals you work with. Well, it's interesting because I, I have a little newsletter for my own uh, private teaching company, Lighthold, and um, my, my newsletter uh, letter to the recipients last month was about um, how we talk about the benefits of what we do and that um, as massage therapists for a long time we've been encouraged to sort of rattle off this list of benefits and we list them as though they're just true. Uh, and and there is not a lot of research out there about massage and, and its benefits and the mechanisms and things and, and I think we do get hung up on the mechanisms. But Well, there's some research, massage, there is some research, but a lot of it's written in like French and Russian. Right, exactly. So, So, American research. For oncology massage, the two things that we can really say that that well 
conducted, replicated research tells us we're doing is we're decreasing anxiety and we're decreasing pain. And and honestly, I don't know why that's not enough for people. I mean, <laughs> if, if we were to, you know, you know, uh, what is it? Jay Leno does jaywalking where he just goes out on the street and asks right. people. If we stood out on the street corner and asked people, do you experience pain or anxiety in America? No. Find me a person who's not experiencing at least one of those things. Right. And so if that's, even if that's, quote, all we're doing, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why people wind up in hospitals, because the anxiety and the pain become this sort of these companions that perpetuate each other. And that becomes the experience of being sick. And also and creates disease. Let's, let's go back to the beginning of this long term, you know, um, stress, stress yeah. being unmanaged for years and years and years. Then the body eventually it creates it creates our, our enemies, our diseases. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and so we sort of start there. And then, you know, there are some more specific things. Like one of the things, as um, we tend to say in oncology massage, that, that one of the follow-ons, you know, you need this at least this 24 hours of, of basic training. Um, and certainly we suggest at the Society for Oncology Massage that you get that training from one of our recognized instructors because mm-hmm. we've vetted their curriculum and we know what it contains. Great. It contains what we think are the essential elements. But on top of that, that you need manual lymphatic drainage training because a, mm-hmm. a large portion of people living with cancer or who have a cancer history have had some sort of lymphatic compromise. And, and that leads to another one of the benefits, which is helping people either avoid triggering an episode of lymphedema, which mm-hmm. is a potentially lifelong complication of lymph node damage, um, or helping them manage it if they've actually if they actually have lymphedema and they've been being treated for that. Part of what's important about maintaining a level with lymphedema is doing maintenance. And and once they graduate sort of from the physical therapy aspect of the treatment of lymphedema, they're kind of left on their own to do that maintenance piece. And we all know about you know how compliant people are and right. if they actually do that maintenance on their own. And if that's something they can come and see a well-trained oncology massage therapist for, Mm -hmm. that's a huge thing to just have someone else supporting them in this thing that they know if they don't do, they will be experiencing ongoing discomfort. Absolutely. Um, So that's a huge benefit. And then just the, the extra benefit of, as an oncology massage therapist, here's someone who... You can come and, and talk about your whole journey and whatever it is that's upsetting or exciting or confusing about that. And there's this person who knows a little bit about what's involved in having cancer and, and oh. going through treatment and how it's affecting your body and even your mind and spirit a bit. And just having this safe place where you can come and just be real about how that experience is for you. And this, you don't have to protect this person or tell them the story that you think they want to hear. They're mm-hmm. not your wife, your husband, your sister, your children. Right. You can just be real even if it's just for that hour. And, you know, we're never going to be able to measure the benefit of that, but that's huge. And you know what is really, really great about it? And yes, people, I'm coming out to tell you that for the last, you know, three and a half months, I've been battling cancer myself and, you know, stomach cancer. Um, What's great about that is, and living in this community, that my doctor, everybody was on board with me getting massage therapy, even got a free one from the cancer center, okay? Oh, wow. But what's great about it is that my therapist, Kathleen, God bless you, that she was not afraid of me and my yes. cancer. I mean, Amen. she did not. She could. She works on on my chest without going around the port, you know, but not avoiding it completely so that it like becomes part of my body for the. I mean, she knows so much. And 
the additional uh, things that she knows, the lymphatic drainage, the Maya abdominal massage. I mean, I couldn't be in better hands. And without that, I would have felt like many people with cancer do, alienated, untouchable, somehow, you know, my very lonely, very scared, you see? Yeah, And this absolutely. is what's been so beneficial about oncology massage and how beautifully um, significant and pertinent it is to the person who's in this position. So I'll give you that well, now. Perfect segue to the plug that I want to put in for the yeah, benefits of oncology can, massage for the practitioners. Please tell us so what they're going to learn in this class, a brief description of the agenda well, for the you know, class. You know, the class, this is, I mean, it, the class is so fun. Like, I really, I just love teaching it and I love watching what happens for therapists as the three days goes on and, and as they meet the actual clients that they work with and people living with cancer and just watching assumptions and, and ideas and fears shift into something so much more beautiful and, mm. and Seeing people understand that cancer and joy can exist in the same place. And, there you have and it's it. Not, it's not a making light of that, that allows that to happen. Mm-mm. It's a getting real about exactly. that, that allows that to happen. And as a therapist, you know, people, I encounter people all the time who say, oh, I could never do oncology massage. And I just, I just don't buy it. I think it's, you know, people have this great big story about how awful and sad it is to, to be around people with cancer. And I, I used to be one of them. Yeah, see, and it just, I mean, now, eight years down the road, I thank God and I thank every single one of my clients that I've worked with and patients that I've worked with in the hospital that, I mean, they've made my life more real and more joyful because they just really tell it like it is. And and even if they're not telling it like it is in the moment, watching them go through their journey just really reminds you Mm. about impermanence and about what's important. And it really lets you just sift through the crud and stick with what's real. Exactly. Exactly so. So um, uh, what's the on the agenda for this weekend? I mean, I took this class with Tracy Walton and I, you know, the simplest thing, she brought a bowl of water and we tapped the top of the surface of the water. Oh, and yeah, I, yeah. I'm telling you, well, the, <laughs> it was profound. No, no, but I'm just saying I, I know some of the things that because I took the class, but, you know, that was four or five years ago. And tell us, you know, give us a brief, you know, tidbit. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, we start with the key is really understanding why it's safe so that you can explain to people who still believe that it's not safe, mm-hmm. why it is safe in a really simple and accessible way. So we kind of start there. And then from there, we get into the, the real nuts and bolts of how does cancer and treatment affect the body. And, and people start to see that oncology massage is not a technique. It's a body of knowledge to which you can apply um, you can apply it to whatever technique you're already using. Mm-hmm. And once you have this knowledge, you can adapt pretty much any other type of body work to be appropriate for people living with cancer. So no. people are so relieved to see that they don't have to stop doing zero balancing. They don't have to stop doing myofascial release or whatever it is that they do. Mm-hmm. They just do it with a new lens That's so right. they can make those adjustments. Well and put. Then the other piece of it is just these sort of, you know, like Tracy does this cool thing with the bowl of water to kind of help you understand how to be with a person and to see that it's it's hard to see. When you're really there in the moment, it's hard to see sort of where you end and your client begins and there's this sort of relationship that happens that is really the nugget of the benefit of oncology massage and that I firmly believe that self-awareness and, and self-love on the part of the practitioner 
is a big part of what helps clients and patients to feel safe and open now. to really get the most out of that experience. So mm-hmm. as much as we can over the course of three days, I try to put little signposts in the ground for therapists to see where they might be standing in their own way um, on that front and where maybe they could be a little kinder to themselves and where they could really let in the parts of themselves that they don't totally love right at this moment. And how can we do that as we continue to work and just live our lives and not make it this giant uh, excavation? That's, that's true. Little, little kindnesses and little adjustments that in the end just make our communication, whether it's verbal or silent, right. so powerful and right. useful to our clients and the people that we work with and even the people in our own private lives. And the, and the other, patient, other people in the patient's life as well. Absolutely. You know, because, and then, you know, the mm-hmm. big fun thing that people always love about the three-day class is that we end on the third day with a live clinic where we have folks who are really living with cancer who have a real cancer history come in. Mm-hmm. And we do massage with them, and we learn how to ask them all the questions that we've learned over the two and a half days prior. And, and we see that it's really not that scary right. to work with people living with cancer. And, and, you know, nine times out of ten, we find always some therapists go, wow, this really, uh, this is not going to be where I'm going to focus. Mm-hmm. A lot of them say, oh, you know, this maybe isn't going to be where I'm going to focus, but I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Right. It's really doable. It's right. possible. Right. Especially if, you know, you're working with athletes, you're working in a very healthy community. Excuse me. They get cancer, too. Lance Armstrong. Yeah, exactly. Duh. What, are you going to throw them right. out and say, I don't do that. I don't work with these individuals. You know, so uh, it's, it's, again, just a, a brilliant class. I'm, I felt, you know, really like I learned a lot every minute in that class. I had to go outside yeah. and just take some air and go, wow, I can't believe that, first of all, you, you can do all of this. And, and secondly, I thought I knew something, you know, those kind of classes. I thought I knew something. And it's just yeah. wonderful to take those kind of classes because you, you walk out feeling, wow, I really got my money's worth here. So yeah. I'm going to be in the building teaching uh, probably in another room. But I'm looking forward to meeting you because Tracy said that you're almost as funny as I am. <laughs> we'll have to have a funny off. Yeah, we might have to do that, youngster. <laughs> we'll see if the old gal still has it. And we'll um, see which of our which of our classrooms is is laughing the loudest. Yeah, that's right. We'll have to put a, a sound meter, <laughs> a sound meter there. Nice. But I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. And, um, you know, we, we always ask our guests if they have a tip of the day or something that you uh, use in your practice, some kind of healthcare tip or something. If uh, you could share that with us, that'd be great to kind of finish with today. Wow, a healthcare tip. Any kind of tip, you know, self-care. Self-care, I said, not healthcare. Oh, self-care, self-care. Yeah. Um, well, um, you know, I, I think today I'm, I'm working on a piece, so this is sort of at the, at the top of my brain, but... Um, let it in is my self-care tip. Wow. You know, the, the research is starting to come out about burnout, and burnout lives where we try to pretend that we're not feeling what we're feeling. So whatever it is, just let it in and look at it and give it a big kiss and see what it does from there. All right. That sounds a lot better than avoidance to where it you know, shows up later like uh, exactly. vengeance. That is a very good tip, and I thank you very much, Lauren, for joining us today on the Massage Podcast. Looking forward to meeting you in a couple of weeks. And, and I think you're old enough to remember who Julia Child is. Oh, it's brilliant, Tracy. We're going to start with I'm that. So glad. We're going to start because <laughs> I, I don't want Tracy to be on my on my bad side here. <laughs> oh, and, you didn't uh, say you could do the inflection and everything. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've been at it for quite a long time. 
<laughs> now, <laughs> thank you we're for gonna... having me, and I'm looking forward to meeting you as well. Okay, uh, we're going to have you. Would you like to give a phone number for people to contact you if they have any questions specifically about the class? Oh, sure. Um, they can just call me directly. Oh, I, I hope we don't have thousands of people on here. Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> they can call me at uh, 202-320-7921. Okay. And we'll put that on our podcast. But no, you won't get thousands. You might get a couple. And um, we wouldn't do that to you. We've only just met you. <laughs> That's Look, right. You'll wait to browbeat me. Looking forward to sitting down with you here in Boulder in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Elaine. Bye. Bye. Bye.